Act Two of Brewster's Millions by Winchell Smith and Byron Only. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene, represents the interior of the office of Monty Brewster, the Bank of Manhattan Island building, door up left center, office doors in right in second and third, doors half glass, on door down right first, secretary's office is written, and council, on door right second, private secretary and financial secretary. A large library desk with swivel chair back of it, center. Auxiliary desk, down left. Small chair in front of desk. Armchairs, down left. Small table with telephone by entrance door, upper left center. Large safe, up center. Hat rack, upper right center. Ticker, down right first entrance. Telephone on desk, center. Office, very handsomely furnished. Typewriter on desk, center left side. Arch, up right center, showing cashier's window, up left. Bleaked, across corner, office building backing. One telephone, two blotter pads, three typewriters, four or five ashtrays, an inkstand with pen holder, etc. in gilt. Six checkbooks. Stage full up white foots, first border and side lights, white strips all entrances, amber mediums through window up left. At rise, ticker, phone bell rings, ding, ding, ding. First boy lifts up receiver. Ah, shut up. Second boy enters right first. Where is Mr. Harrison? Lunch. Allison and Co. want him to call them up as soon as he comes in. All right. Harrison enters up left center, coat and hat. First boy speaks as Harrison is halfway to ticker, sitting up immediately and putting novel away. Allison and company want you to call them up as soon as you come in. Get them. Goes quickly to the ticker. First boy, speaking into telephone on desk, Left center, switchboard supposed to be outside. Get Allison and company. Harrison at ticker. Ticker stops on phone bell. Looking along tape. Takes a quick sharp breath. Takes off coat and hat. Hands them to boy who has followed him down. Takes them into superintendent office. Phone bell rings. Harrison goes to desk center and uses phone. Hello. Allison and company? Is that you, Allison? Looks to see if there is anyone in office. This is Harrison. Yes. Yes. I've seen the quotation. Well, I won't protect it any further. If it goes down to 58, I'm wiped out. I hope so. Goodbye. He hangs up phone. First boy enters right first. Crosses to his desk. McLeod enters from financial secretary's office. Bills and checks in his hand. Starts for superintendent office. Sees Harrison. Mac goes to him. I thought you were out. Will you sign these checks? Hands check to Harrison, who is staring front right center and does not heed Mac for a moment. 
suddenly turning, looks at Mac, takes checks absently, looks over them, takes up pen, signs them during the following. He sits left of Monty's desk, right center. Nopper, are you in love? What put that in your head? When a man goes mooning about, as you have for the last week, and doesn't half hear what's said to him, it's a mighty good sign that he has a lovely woman on the brain. <laughs> it isn't love. I wish it were. Ticker. I was thinking. That's all. Up to Ticker. Mac looks after him. The last thing any of Monty Brewster's staff wants to do is to think. Look at that check for Tiffany. $27,000 for favors for this confounded ball. I tell you, Nopper, it's sickening. Bragdon enters quickly from private secretary's office with a copy of The Trumpet in his hand. He comes slowly, speaking as he comes. Say, have you fellows seen the censor slap at Monty in this week's trumpet? Ticker stops. I do many foolish things, but I don't read the trumpet. You don't, eh? Well, listen to this. Reads. Not content with having staggered society with his recent sensational dinner, young Monty Brewster has issued invitations to a Viennese ball to take place at Sherry's on the 20th. Ever since this young man has inherited his millions, he has been the target of humorists of every club in town. Because of his lavishness in entertaining, his recklessness in business ventures, and indiscriminate method in getting rid of his newly acquired wealth, it is thought that young Brewster hopes, by his attitude of magnificence, to dazzle Miss Barbara Drew, the daughter of the executor of his grandfather's will. There will be little or no surprise if an interesting announcement is made on the evening of the ball. The comments going the rounds concerning the spectacular career of Mr Brewster are causing considerable concern to his real friends, while the improvident young man's methods are proving a genuine joy to his grafting associates. Looks. That's us. A number of whom he has installed in lucrative positions in his offices. Now, what do you think of that? Harrison, turning from Ticker, right. I think the staff ought to get even with the man who wrote it. Paces up and down, right. I tell you what the staff ought to do. Clear out every mother's son of us. Bragdon rises. Mac! I mean it. I'll admit that's a nasty article, but it's only what we should expect. Why shouldn't people think we are bleeding him? He doesn't need us any more than a fish needs a drink. And everybody knows it. Ticker. Nopper to Ticker. Now, don't get your scotch up, Mac. Monty does need us instead of a lot of strangers who would only think of his money and what they could get of it. We must all keep on trying to hold him back. Looks at Harrison. That would be all very well. Only it don't do a damn bit of good. Ticker stops. Second boy enters up left center. Telegram to first boy at desk and exits right second. He'll be broke before the year is out. Then who'll want to engage any of us? No one will ever have any confidence in us or respect for us. 
Boy enters right from door right second. You're wanted on the phone, Mr. Bragdon. Bragdon exits up right second. What is it? Harrison, center, reads telegram. Stick to your knitting and don't ask questions, Jones. Another of those things from the King of Mysteries. Monty sends him a telegram about once an hour. First boy enters right second, crosses to desk, sits. Harrison, crossing right center, places telegram on Monty's desk in front of typewriter. I'd like to find out who he is. I asked Monty the other day. Harrison, right center, turns. What did he say? He said, Jones is like war. He's hell. Harrison crosses to ticker. Second boy enters right second, crosses to Mac left center, gives Mac paper. Listed account of ball expenditures to date, sir. Exits right. Mac to Harrison, looking at list. The expenses of this ball will make Monty's grandfather turn over in his grave. Bragdon enters hurriedly with hat and coat to first boy. Get Mr. Brewster's house on the phone. First boy business with phone. What's up? The Tenderloin Bank is up. Ticker stops. What? High as a kite. Closed its doors. Just heard over the phone. Phew. Harrison clutches tape and breaks it. Holds piece in each hand. Bragdon to Harrison. How much did Monty have there? Over a hundred thousand. I'm going over to the bank now. If Monty comes in, don't say anything about it until I get back. You needn't worry about Monty. Nothing like a paltry hundred thousand would bother him, the way he's going it now. Bragdon, at door, up left center. Well, there's no good speaking of it until I find out how bad it is. If he's at the house, though, get him down here, will you? I'll phone the house. All right. I'll go just as quickly as possible and be back in no time. Exit left center. Over a hundred thousand dollars. It's getting worse every day. Phone rings. Harrison answers it. Hello? Who's this? Why? Oh, Rawls, is Mr. Brewster there? And you don't know where he went? Well, if he comes in, ask him to come down to the office right away. That's all. Goodbye. Puts up receiver. Enter second boy from right first. Goes to Harrison Center. Hands him paper. The statement, sir, Mr. Brewster wanted to January 1st. Exit right first. Harrison takes paper, center. I hate to look at it. Looks. You needn't look at me. $240,000 spent in three months. Hands back the statement. This is criminal. Running his eye down the list, pointing to items on statement and showing them to Harrison. Notice what this Clayton woman is costing him. About $70,000. It's appalling. It's one thing to take a chance on Subby's opera, but spending all this money on her is another. Begin pacing up and down. 
He said he was buying all that bunch of jewelry and gowns for the production. But the apartment he's rented and the turnout he's engaged can't be for the production. And now Bragg says he's going to rent a house for her and furnish it on the installment plan. If you can beat that, it looks like the one rotten thing in all his extravagance. Nopper paces up and down right during this. Harrison sits right center. I can't think he's mixed up in that sort of game. Nopper, when he comes, I'm going to tell him that one of his staff has had enough. Sits left at desk. Doorbell rings off stage, up left center. Ding, ding, ding. First boy rises, crosses to right side of door. Third boy opens door and marches on stage about ten feet with second boy. They take a step to the side and right and left face respectively. Fourth boy follows and takes position opposite first boy. Monty enters and comes down to third and second boys. Third boy takes paper and stick to second boy. Hat and gloves hands them to first boy and takes overcoat. Overcoat, hat, and stick are placed on hall tree up center and left there. Fourth boy takes cigar from his mouth as third boy hands him his paper. Second, third, and fourth boys exit left. First boy sits at desk. Monty crosses to his chair center. Hello, boys. Hello. Monty looks from one to the other, notes their serious faces. What are you fellows laughing at? Looks at Mac, whose expression is blank. Boy! First boy crosses to him. Yes, sir? Monty takes roll of bills from his pocket, peels off a yellow one. Go up to Thorley's, get a couple of dozen orchids, put them in Mr. McLeod's room. They may cheer him up a bit. Takes up letters from desk. During the following scene, he is busy opening and reading his mail, tearing up some letters and throwing them into wastebasket, laying aside others for answering. Yes, sir. Starts up. And boy. First boy stops and turns. Yes, sir. Bring me a receipt. Yes, sir. And boy. Yes, sir. Go in a taxi. Yes, sir. Exit up, left center. Receipts for last night's expenses, dinner, theater, and supper. Places memos in front of his desk. He has memo book, left second. Takes papers in his pockets. Oh, tips and incidentals, $116.50. Writes amount on pad on desk, rips off sheet, places it with other papers. Put that on the miscellaneous account. Mac crosses, gets papers, and returns. Have you seen the trumpet? Yes, we've seen it. Second boy enters up left center and sits at desk. Monty sits, fishing Chronicle out of his pocket. They say this thing in the Chronicle is a typographical error, but I'm not so sure about it. Reads. Magnificent ball to be given to Miss Drew by her fiancé, Montgomery Brewster. If I could find out who wrote that article, I'd be willing to accept a present of $5,000. Harrison rises, crosses right and up left. Monty opens mail. 
There ought to be something coming to that gentleman who wrote the trumpet article. It came to him, Nopper, at 9.30 this morning. What happened? You licked him? Go and look him over. Mac rises, crosses left center. You shouldn't have done it. A man with all your money can't afford these luxuries. He'll sue you for assault and battery, sure. Monty, face lighting up. By Jove, I never thought of that. I wonder where the Chronicle Man is. Rises, takes a step up as if to go and look for him. Bragdon dashes in, slamming door left center from up left center. Ticker. Have you heard about the Tenderloin Bank? Of course I've heard about it. I've been in it. Anything the matter with it? It has failed, that's all. Wiped out. Shakes hands. Monty looks at him quickly, radiantly. It's mighty tough, Monty. You had 130000 on deposit there. Ticker stops. Monty, shaking hands with him, all stare at him. With entire change of tone and manner, goes to desk, figuring quickly on pad. Three thousand a day. Forty-five days. Boys, if this turns out right, we can take a vacation. Bragdon, crossing down to him, left center. It can't turn out all right. I've been over and got the facts. I tell you, the money's gone. And they say the tenderloin is only the first to go. There's talk all over the place about the bank downstairs. Not the Manhattan Island. Yes, the Manhattan Island. You've got twice as much there as you had in the tenderloin. I'll draw out your balance as quick as Nopper can sign a cheque and I can get downstairs. Harrison and Bragdon start off as if to get cheque right first. Monty, realizing the possibilities of gain by another failure... Stop! Let the money stay there. What? What? I'll show you what kind of sport I am. Monty, don't joke about this. There isn't time. Of course, we're sorry for Colonel Drew, but... Monty rises quickly. That's it. Colonel Edward Drew is my friend. The father of the beautiful girl they say I'm going to marry. Do you think I'd desert him in his hour of need? Never. A thousand times never. Call Monty Brewster a fool, a dolt, a spendthrift, what you will. But it shall never be said of him that he deserted a friend in the hour of need. Sits center. Monty, you are either crazy or the biggest-hearted man in the world. Max sits left. I'll give you a third guess someday. Phone bell rings. Harrison exits right first. Bragdon answers. Hello? Yes, he's here. Who is it? Stone? Oh, he's too busy to talk to you just now. Is that the real estate man? Bragdon into phone. Wait a minute. To Monty. Yes? Oh, I want to talk to him. Takes phone. But Monty. Monty into phone. Hello, Stone. This is Brewster. Found a house for Miss Clayton? Oh, well... How much? No, no, I want a house, not a hen coop. What? Don't care if it's $50,000. Mac rises, crosses left center. Miss Clayton will play in New York a long time. She's going to entertain. Mac and Bragdon, who have listened in disgust, suddenly turn dash to their respective offices, and slam the doors. 
Monty looks up, smiles, shakes his head, then into the phone. Well, now you're talking. No, no, only until the end of September. I've no time to look at it. Send over and get a check. Goodbye. Hangs up receiver. Takes out notebook. Bravo. Tenderloin. Credit. Bank failure 130000 That's the biggest stroke yet. He phones. Send Miss Boynton here. He picks up telegram on table. Hello, Jones. Stick to your knitting and don't ask questions. Miss Boynton enters left second. Monty has formed the letters he has opened into three separate piles upon the desk. Good morning, Mr. Brewster. I want to thank you for your beautiful treat last evening. Sits left centre, has stenographer's notebook and pencil. Was it my treat last night? What did I do? Have you forgotten sending me the tickets for the show and the flowers and candy? Monty taking out notebook. 1450, I wonder. Right. What did I do with those receipts? Looks through pockets, dictating. Telegram Jones, Boot, Montana. Don't ask questions. Who else can I ask questions of? You say you hate a stingy man. Don't be stingy with advice. No, make it with your advice. Extra word. I've chartered a yacht for a cruise around the world. We'll wire you itinerary of trip. No, we can lengthen that a bit. Thanks for a moment. Say, I myself will send you the various addresses where I may or shall be found just as soon as it is possible for me to discover the various addresses where I shall be found. Banks are failing all around me. I am leading at the quarter by 100,000, but I have got some running to do yet. Postscript. How do you pronounce your Christian name? Reply collect. Enter Max suddenly from his office right second. He has three months' statement and the ball expense list and his written resignation to Monty and slams them down in front of him on the desk one at a time as he says the following. There's the statement to January 1st, showing that nearly one-third of your fortune is wiped out. Slam. There's the expense list of the ball to date. Slam. And there's my resignation. He knocks the typewriter from the desk. Monty starts at the last, looks quickly to Mac, then quietly. Gently, sunshine. You'll hurt your hand. To boy. Boy, take that typewriter out and have it fixed. Second boy is reading novel at desk up left center, rises confused, and starts across to take Miss Boynton out. As he gets to her right, Monty attracts his attention and indicates the machine on the floor left center. He gets up and goes to the door. Where shall I take it? Tiffany's. Movement of disgust from Mac. Monty dictates to Miss Boynton. Telegram. Sunshine McLeod, Esquire, Manhattan Island, Building City. My dear Sunshine. To Mac. They nabbed me this morning, Sunshine. To Miss Boynton. Replying to your favor, just received, tendering your resignation to take place on the first of the month. To Mac. Yes, sir. Van and I wanted to see the new car move a bit, and they pinched us. Mac, interested in the dictation. Why did you let them catch you? I thought of the fine. What? Monty assumed dignity. I don't want to evade the law. If I ought to be fined, I want to be fined and get a receipt. 
Movement of Disgust from Mac. Where were we? Miss Boynton, looking at dictation book. The first of the month. I have noted carefully your reasons for wishing to retire. To wit. Referring to Mac's letter. Crazy, irrepressible, unresponsible, irresponsible, idiotical, impossible, etc., etc. And so you are. If, however, you will delay your retirement, I shall appreciate it greatly. I therefore beg that you retain your position until the end of September. Not jump the traces now and show your long ears. Always your friend. Mac jumps up from chair, crosses right second. You've shown your long ears already. Exits into his office, slamming door right second. Monty, quietly picking up letter, dictating. Telegram. Enoch Hood, Esquire. E-N-O-C-H. Make it N-O-C-K. 16 Queen Street, Long Island City. Borough of Queens. Telephone number 2020 Maine. Also offices in Peoria, Kansas City, and Chicago. Cable address Spelden. Dear Sir, I note that you have an invention which will make me a fortune. I would suggest that you invent something that will make a fortune for yourself. One fortune is all I care to handle at present. Yours truly. Nopper Harrison enters, crosses to Ticker. Hello, Nopper. What are you hugging that Ticker for? <laughs> the stocks aren't going to suit me. Ticker stops. Have you looked up lumber and fuel? Harrison, excitedly, a step down right center. It's the last stock on earth you want to buy, Monty. Lumber is ten points too high. Think of the situation. All the lumbermen overstocked and the building strike threatened. There must be a slump. Think so? I'm sure of it. Crosses back to Ticker. Thanks. Into phone. Get Allison and company. Harrison goes to Ticker, watches quotation, which is being ticked off. His face suddenly shows despair. Wiped out. Exit right first. Ticker stops. Monty rises, hands two piles of letter to Miss Boynton. Miss Boynton rises also. Say no thank you to these, and yes please to these. Yes, sir. Goes up right second. Send them by Western Union. Miss Boynton stops and turns. Excuse me, Mr. Brewster. I'm only a poor girl, but I've got some pride, and I'd like to know why you send all my letters by telegraph. Phone. They're clearer that way. In phone. Hello, Allison. What? Oh, well, tell Mr. Allison Mr. Brewster wants to speak to him, will you please? Thank you. Miss Boynton, half crying. I ain't appreciated here. My work was never criticised before, and I could have married the last man I worked for. Yes, what was the matter with him? I beg your pardon. Telephone Tyson like a good girl, and get a box for the 14th Street Theatre tonight. Miss Boynton, all smiles. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Brewster. Going, stops at door, turns. The 14th Street, did you say? Yes, Chauncey Olcott's there. You'll like that. Miss Boynton exits. Monty, into phone. Hello, is that you, Allison? Yes, this is Brewster. 
Yes, how are you? Say, I want to buy 10,000 shares of lumber and fuel. No 10-point margin. Yes, send over and get a check. I know, everybody says it's a bad time to buy. That's the reason I want it. Smiles. I don't know anything about the races. Got a tip? Nabob, first race? Cinch, eh? Just a minute. Picks up Chronicle from desk and looks at entries. How about polite? Same race. Outclassed? No chance at all? Well, can you get me a thousand on him? No, straight to win. What? All right, when Nabob wins. I'll apologize. Goodbye. Van enters up left center, stands by door. Do you allow ladies in here, chief? Monty rises, crosses to him to shake hands. Hello, Van. What are you doing down here? I work here. Of course you do. Who's with you? Old chap Armstrong. Look here, my boy. You'd better give her up. Perhaps you'll explain how I can give up something I haven't got. She doesn't care anything for you. You interfere with her platonic ideas. Now you give your Uncle Dudley a little time. I'll show you what her platonic ideas are worth. All right, but don't keep her waiting out there all day. Starts upstage. Barbara Drew is with us. Monty stops. Miss Drew? Has she seen her father? Not since she's been with us. Why? Some trouble downstairs in the bank. Shh. Monty rises and goes quickly up. Second boy opens door left center. Barbara and Janice Armstrong enter. Boy exits same door. Barbara shakes hands with Monty center and crosses right. How do you do? Delightfully surprised. Miss Armstrong, following Barbara. How do you do, Mr. Brewster? Getting gray, working overtime. I hope we're not intruding. We only peeped in for a moment. No, indeed. Won't you sit down? Indicates chair right of his desk. Miss Armstrong? He places chair left center. Don't worry about me, dear fellow. I believe in a woman's taking care of herself. I've devoted two chapters to that in my book. By the way, we shall have the proofs of that book in tomorrow. Oh, really? Your book, Janice? Yes, my book. The book which I hope will eventually bury the hatchet between the sexes. It's going to be great. You should see the design I've had done for the cover. What about the story? It isn't a story. It's a book on the flaming question of Platonism and its friendly message to mankind. They go up left. Barbara sits right center. I have just had a struggle with my pride. Monty sits on corner of desk, down right center. Indeed. Why? After the way you have persistently kept away from us, it needed courage to seek you out. You're joking. I assure you I am not. Papa and I have made every effort to induce you to dine with us. And we should have been flattered had you condescended to drop in for tea. Well, I've been so frightfully busy. I haven't been anywhere. I didn't think you would ever want to see me again. Why, pray? Monty picks up trumpet. Have you seen the trumpet? Barbara, looking down modestly and speaking coyly. 
Yes, I've read it. Well, that's why. It has worried me, I can tell you. Barbara, glancing at him questioningly. I'm sorry. I'm dreadfully cut up about it. It's too bad that you are so annoyed. Monty, not noticing tone. To have you humiliated this way through me. And don't think about it any more, please, Mr. Brewster. I don't feel a bit humiliated. <laughs> An awful funny thing happened in connection with the story. Really? What was it? Barbara looks at him roguishly, smiles, and turns away. Ah, uh, I daren't tell you. Do, please. It's too absurd. You must tell me. Papa read it and... Yes? He thought it was true. <laughs> he thinks we're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> I should think it was absurd. <clears throat> well, I bet that chap won't write about us again in a hurry. Coupling our names. Ridiculous. Crosses right to ticker. Barbara, rising, crosses left. Mustn't we be going, Janice? Van, suddenly remembering, up left. By Jove, so we must. Starts for door. What's your hurry, Van? Now this is my party, Monty, and you can't run it. We have a most important appointment at Mallard's. Office boy opens door up right center. Mrs. Dan enters. Well, I seem to have dropped in on a reception day. Gives Monty her hand, nods to others. Hello, Mrs. Dan. Welcome. What in the world are you doing downtown? Wonderful to relate. Dan brought me down. He has some business in the bank downstairs. Monty and Van exchange rapid glances. Archie, are you initiating the girls into the mysteries of Monty's business? I don't understand it well enough for that myself. We've only been looking over the plant. It is most comfortable to labor in, isn't it? Mrs. Dan, as Van, Miss Armstrong, and Barbara go to door up left center. I hope I'm not driving you away. No, we were just leaving. So much business going on here, we're dazed. Come on, ladies, we'll leave these schemers to talk over the ball. He opens door. Janice and Barbara pass out, then Van, exchanging goodbyes with Monty and Mrs. Dan. Oh, Van, get the car down to the side entrance, will you? Excuse me, Mrs. Dan. Exits, up left center, talking to Van, ad lib. Mrs. Dan picks up trumpet from desk. Bragdon enters right first. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Dan? What look? I've just come from Peggy's. I told her that we all felt that he would listen to her and how anxious you boys were to have her talk to him and try to make him understand how his behavior is being criticized. Has she consented to come? Peggy's a dear. You can think how she dreads it, but she's coming this afternoon. Splendid. Bully for Peggy. Enter Monty, left center. Oh, Bragg. Excuse me, Mrs. Dan. Certainly. Reads. Bragdon crosses to Monty. I want you to go downstairs to the bank and ask Colonel Drew if there is anything I can do for him. Now, Monty. Bragg, please. Oh, all right. 
Crosses to door left center. Good afternoon, Mrs. Dan. Exits left center. Good afternoon. Monty offers her his chair. Monty, what brought Barbara Drew down here? Monty goes to Mrs. Dan. Van had the girls out driving and they just dropped in for a moment. She chose rather a peculiar time, don't you think? Why? Mrs. Dan holds up trumpet, then lays it on desk as she sits. I saw the trumpet today. Oh. Monty, I don't want you to be foolish. What are you driving at, Mrs. Dan? That article made me boil. I thought, but Miss Drew was very sweet about it. Sits left center. Of course she was. She doesn't even deny it. She's evidently quite pleased. Monty up and crosses up left center. Oh, you must be mistaken, Mrs. Dan. Anyhow, I don't think of it as far as I am concerned. There's only one girl for me, and she's not Barbara Drew. Say, Mrs. Dan, why does she refuse to see me? Is it on account of these stories about Miss Drew? Why does who refuse to see you? Why, Peggy, of course. Who else? Won't she see you? No, I've called repeatedly and she's never at home. Peggy wouldn't refuse to see you on account of any stories. She wouldn't, would she? Yes, but she does refuse. Do you want to see her very much? Very much. More than anything in the world. Then you'll be glad to hear that she is going to call on you this afternoon. Monty comes to her center. Really? Honestly? How do you know? She told me so. Peggy is worried about what the gossips are saying. Everyone's talking about the way you're squandering your money and the expense of the ball. We'll work hard to make it a success, but when it's over, you must stop. Peggy coming this afternoon. That's good news. And we won't let the gossips bother her much longer. That's the beauty of my new scheme. Mrs. Dan at ticker right turns. New scheme? What is it now? I'm tired of what everybody is saying, so we will all get away from it. What do you mean? Mrs. Dan, I've chartered a yacht for a cruise around the world, and I'm going to take all of our friends. Why, Monty Brewster, it's perfectly... Great, isn't it? I thought you'd like it. I've chartered the flitter. Ever hear of her? She burns more coal than any yacht in the world. But Monty, think. Such a cruise may cost you your entire fortune. Do you think so? By Jove, I'd like to talk to you, Mrs. Dan. I know what a yacht can cost, and you wouldn't have thought of a better plan if, if you want to spend all your money. Honestly, I love to talk to you, Mrs. Dan. You never mind the expense. I'll attend to that. What I would like to have you do, if you will is to invite the guests and induce Peggy to go. You know, Mrs. Dan, I... I wouldn't go without Peggy. Now, you will do this for me, won't you? You know you can always make people do whatever you want them to. A cruise around the world? Yes, just think of us all in London, Paris, Naples, the Riviera, the Mediterranean, moonlight, starlight, silver seas, sailing away with those we love, where the gossips can't reach us. The whole world will be ours. That's it. The world will be yours. You don't think you're Monty Brewster, but Monte Cristo. No, I don't. Mrs. Dan, carried away by the thought. 
It's glorious, Monty. The thought is positively enchanting. I, I love it, but... Monty, left center, turns. Mrs. Dan, I've crossed but out of my dictionary. I have to in my business. Mrs. Dan, looking oddly at him. Just what is your business, Monty? Frenzied finance. Cross has left for cigarette from Mac's desk and lights it. Subway Smith bursts in the door, up left center, rushes down center. Monty, you're a nice sort of... Oh, oh, I beg pardon. Sees Mrs. Dan, goes right center. Why, hello, Subby. How do you do, Mrs. Dan? You're looking bully. Shakes hands. Mrs. Dan sits right center. I must be reflecting some of the enthusiasm of this young spendthrift. How did the show go, Subby? Haven't you seen the Philadelphia papers? Not yet. Was your opera produced last night? I knew nothing about it. It isn't strange that you didn't know about it. But we thought our angel might have remembered us. It nearly broke Miss Clayton's heart not to have you there, Maudie. I sent her a telegram and everything Thorley had in stock. Tell us, really, how did it go? Miss Clayton was great. You've made her, Monty. Monty, smoking, seated left. Yes, that's all right. How was the show? Guardy thought it was too slow. That's good. But I tell you, with a little fixing up, I could make it the biggest hit. Monty rises, crossing center decidedly. I'll attend to the fixing up. Heavens, Subby, whoever thought you could write an opera? Well, I like that. Phone bell rings. I'm so glad, Subby. My heartiest congratulations. Excuse me. Into phone. Yes, yes. Oh, is this you, Allison? Got it, eh? One hundred and eight and three quarter. Ten thousand? That was right. Goodbye. Ten thousand what? A little flyer in lumber and fuel, Sub. Lumber and fuel? You must have thought the show was a frost. Who gave you the tip? It's a tip I shouldn't advise you to follow, Mrs. Dan. Subby, going to ticker. One oh eight and three quarters. Eight and a half. Eight and a quarter. No, Mrs. Dan, don't you follow it. It's eight now. Better sell, Monty. Monty shows satisfaction as Subby calls off quotations. Perhaps I'm a hoodoo. I'll go. She rises. I hope it will go up, Monty. Monty, rising. Don't say that, Mrs. Dan. Well, whichever way you want it to go, I never know. Dan loses when they go up and loses again when they come down and then says I'm dull because I can't understand. Yes. You are certainly becoming a gambler, Monty. You'll be playing the races next. Come to think of it, I did today. Really, that's a game I know something about. Which horse did you bet on? Monty tries to remember them. Excuse me. Crosses and gets paper. That horse there, polite. Polite, hey? That's a fine horse to play. Do you know what polite would do if he were leading in the stretch? After you, my dear Alphonse. Polite indeed. Bows and crosses to ticker. First boy enters up left center with large box of flowers from Thorley's. Crosses right. Did you say these flowers were for Mr. McLeod, Mr. Brewster? Flowers? Yes, Mr. McLeod's room. Boy exits right second. Is it Mac's birthday? 
just trying to cheer him up a bit. Mac, off stage. Take those flowers out of here. Kicks Boy off and throws box lid and orchids after him. Boy, scrambling and picking up flowers. Mr. McLeod doesn't want these orchids, sir. Doesn't he like orchids? Mac's afraid of becoming popular. Don't mind him. Put them in Mr. Bragdon's office. Boy exits right first. If he's in that frame of mind, I'll go before he comes in. At door, Monty crosses to her, shakes hands. Until tonight, then. We can talk over the ball at the opera. Let me go with you, Mrs. Dan. Well, come along. I'll take you a few blocks. Be careful of Mr. McLeod, Monty. Goodbye. Oh, Max, all right. Thank you for dropping in. I'll be back soon, Monty. Mrs. Dan and Subby exit left upper entrance. All right, Sub, see you later. Mac enters from financial secretary's office. Mac, crossing to Monty, center. I've just received your telegram in reply to my resignation. Puts telegram before Monty. Monty takes telegram. Now, Mac, don't quit me before September. I know you fellows think I'm crazy, but I'm not. Just give me a chance. Oh, I'll stay until September if we're not all in the gutter by then. But why do you refuse to withdraw your balance in the Manhattan? Bragg says they will never last the day out. Is that so? Yes, it's so. Mac, just a minute. Writing check. I wish you would go over to the Fifth National Bank and get this check cashed and bring me the money here. Hurry, like a good fellow. Mac, as they go up right center. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? What do you want all that cash for? Monty puts his hat on Mac and pushes him off right third, then returns to desk, jubilant. Car fare. Enter Harrison, stands looking at Monty a moment, drops hat and coat on chair and desk, right center, and crosses determinedly. Where are you off to, Nopper? I've got all my papers fixed up in the air. Mac can take charge of them. Monty, figuring. What's the matter? Monty, I've got to quit. You behave yourself. Monty, you... Looking at Monty squarely for the first time and almost wildly. What's the matter, old man? Rises, looks at him. Why, you are white as a ghost. Puts his hands on Harrison's shoulders. The truth is, I've... I've taken some of your money, Monty. And I've lost it. Monty looks quickly at him, then delightedly. Have you? I did it with the idea of helping you out. Of course it was crazy and criminal, but you've been losing so rapidly, and I thought I saw an easy chance to make a hundred thousand for you. But there was a slump, and I'm wiped out. That's all right. Monty, you're too decent. Monty, taking a count book from his pocket. How much was it? Thirty-five thousand dollars. Monty crosses to desk quickly. $35,000. Enters amount in book. It's horrible on top of this bank business. I ought never to have come here. Why, I haven't slept for weeks thinking of the pace you're going. 
It's been driving me mad. It's been hell, Monty, for us all, Mac, Bragg, and myself, to be the business end of your rank mad extravagance, to see the best fellow on earth go into his ruin against every word of our advice, to know that everywhere people are sneering at us behind our backs, calling us grafters, hangers-on, parasites, and now, oh God, to realize that I'm a thief. Sits, head buried in arms, on desk. Nopper! Monty springs up and goes to Nopper's side, right center. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. When I asked you fellows to come with me, I didn't realize that what I wanted you to do would react on you and make you suffer. I looked on this as a long holiday, with business thrown in. And now I see how awful it must have been for you, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But I've got to go on. Why? Why have you got to go on? Nopper, old man, I'd give anything in the world if I could tell you. But I can't. You mustn't blame yourself for what I've done, Monty. That was my fault entirely. And I'm going to work and square it with you, unless you decide to have me arrested. Nopper, don't talk like that. We've been pals all our lives. I understand why you bought the stock, and you were doing me a big favor. Harrison starts to go. Nopper, you're not going to leave me. Don't ask me to stay. I couldn't after what I've done. Can't you understand? What are you going to do? Go west. I may hit on something in the mining country. I know that game a little. I'll grub stake you, Nopper. No, Monty, your money has caused me suffering enough. I'd rather die than handle another penny of it. Don't think I'm ungrateful. I appreciate the way you're treating me. I understand. Goodbye. Monty crosses and takes his hand. Harrison presses his hand, looks at him, then quickly exits up left center. Phone rings twice. Monty watches Harrison off, turns, sighs, crosses down right center, into phone. Hello? Uh, hello? Hello? Who? Oh, hello, Guardy. Sits center. Why, yes, of course. I want to talk to you. How are you, boy? How'd the show go? Slow? That's good. What? You think it's a hit. I thought you said it was slow. Oh, of course you're in Philadelphia. And buying seats last? Oh, fast. Well, here, you close up. Never mind about that. You close up. I'll hire a theater and bring the show to New York. Trixie wants to run in Philadelphia? You tell Trixie she'd be arrested. Peggy enters up left center quietly and comes to Monty, starts to put her hands over his eyes. What she hears stops her. Well, say we can't prolong it. Oh, tell Trixie I have a house for her here in New York. Say I want her near me, any old thing. Peggy utters a slight exclamation and draws away to left. This attracts Monty's attention. He turns and sees her. At last. Hangs up phone and jumps up to her quickly. How dare you keep away from me all this time? Peggy, left center, struggling with her tears. I hope I'm not interrupting you. Of course you're not. Why? I was afraid I heard, that is, 
that you were busy. The boy asked me to come right in, but... Yes, I told him I expected you. You come here and sit down. He leads her to chair left, then gets the one from left center and sits to her right. I've got all sorts of things to tell you. You know I always did have to tell you everything. Yes, you used to. Monty, looking up from telegram, sitting. Why, what's the matter, Peggy? I don't know. Nothing, I hope. Anything gone wrong? Not that I know of. Things have gone wrong with me today. Peggy, who is hardly able to keep from crying. What things? Can't tell you. That's not telling me everything. Don't ask me. Why do you look like that, Peggy? Peggy, with a little shudder. Uh, I think it's because you have changed so. Oh, don't say that, Peggy. Don't you be like the rest. I have business cares now that I never dreamed of before. I began... Well, before the night of the housewarming. Do you call spending money business? No, that's too good a name for it. It's hard labor. Think of this beastly ball I'm giving. Two weeks of miserable grind, arranging the expenses... And I'd rather be caught at Hoyler's drinking ice cream soda than giving it. Peggy looks at him searchingly. Then why do you do it? Monty, it's very hard for me to speak of this, but I've made up my mind to come down here and beg you to give up this extravagance. You have meant so much to Mother and to me, and we want you to be big and grow and amount to something in the world. But those things you are doing seem so silly and unlike you. People are beginning to make fun of you, Monty. And your friends are worried. And the papers. Peggy, please. I don't want to hurt you. But for your own sake, for the sake of us who are fond of you, if you don't care for the things you are doing, please be our old Monty again. Try to think. 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 Rises, crosses to center, then back to Peggy. Thinking has become my specialty. I think for 18 hours a day. It's all very well for the ordinary businessman to think. He thinks of something to do, does it, and that ends it. But I have to think of what other people will think, and think what they think I think, and think what they think I think I think, and I could go on. But I can stand it all if you only believe in me, Peggy. I'm trying to do the best I can under the circumstances. Only they are curious circumstances. You won't desert me, Peggy, will you? No, I shall never desert you, Monty. Peggy, you're an angel. He sits again. Now listen. I want you to do me a great big favor, will you? Peggy nods assent. Get Mother to agree to this. You see, well, I want to buy the little house for her so I'll make a deposit in the bank to your credit. You still have your account. Third boy enters right first with office checkbook and fountain pen, crosses center downstairs. With Colonel Drew, haven't you? Yes. All right, now I'll send a check down to the Colonel. Will you sign this check for Miss Clayton's house, Mr. Brewster? Peggy rises instantly. Take it to Mr. Harrison. He's gone, sir. Gone. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Rises. Crosses to center. Signs check. Boy crosses right first and exits. Monty turns to Peggy. You see, Peggy, I've got all this money. Monty, don't. 
Why? What's the matter? We can't take your money, Monty. Now, Peggy. Don't worry about us. We are not objects of charity. Why, ain't you ashamed? Don't try to explain. I think your money has spoiled you, Monty. She suddenly bursts into tears and flies from the room, exits up left center. Well, Peggy. The door slams. He pauses, crosses down center, looks front. Oh, Mr. Jones, just two minutes with you. Just a pair of minutes. Bragdon enters right first. Monty, I'm going to beg you just once more to get your money out of Manhattan if you can. Monty crosses to him. Oh, I wish you fellows would mind your own business and not be so damned inquisitive. Why will you insist upon worrying if I don't? I know what I'm doing. What you fellows need is a little faith. What you need is a nurse. I tell you, they can't hold out until three o'clock. That's all right. Take it easy. Phone bell rings. Monty stops, crosses to phone, bright center. In phone. Well, yes, Colonel Drew. Yes, tell him to come up. Monty, if you've arranged things downstairs, why couldn't you have told us? Subby, dashing in. Say, Monty, where did you get that lumber and fuel tip, Monty? Rushes to ticker. My hat's off. What's the matter with it? You haven't bought lumber and fuel. Subby crosses down to Bragdon. He's got 10,000 shares at 108 and three quarters. It went down a point at first, but look at the jump it's taken. Bragdon joins Subby at ticker. Subby looks a long tape. Nine and one half, nine and three quarters, ten... Monty, left, crosses to ticker. Here, Subby, you... Goes to ticker. Keep your jokes for your comic opera, Sub. Do you want me to have a fit? Ten and one quarter. Monty, you're a wonder. Monty, looking at tape. Great Christopher. Dashes to phone. Ten and one half. Heavens, say it go up. Monty, into phone, yelling. Get Allison and company, quick. Enter Colonel Drew in intense excitement, white-faced and trembling. Goes quickly to Monty, noticing others. Speaks to Monty in low voice, grasping his hand and shaking it. Monty, too anxious for the phone bell to comprehend immediately. My boy, how can I thank you? Did you buy some too? Bragdon has told me how you refused to draw out your balance. Monty, distractedly. Oh, that's all right. Noticing Colonel's terrible excitement and white face with sudden awe of pity. Drew looks toward Subby and Bragdon at Ticker. Eleven! Monty turns back upon Colonel, who is about to speak, and grabs phone again. Colonel, too intent upon the bank to think of anything else, walks excitedly up stage and down again. Monty speaks into phone. Where's Allison and company? I don't care if they are busy. You get Allison and company and get them quick. Seeing Colonel again. Excuse me, Colonel. Little business. Can I be of any further help? Colonel clutches Monty by the arms. Brewster, listen. I must pull this thing through. It would kill me to have that bank close. It shan't close. I came to ask. Phone bell. Monty, who has been listening attentively, springs to phone. Hello, Allison. What? Oh, blazes, it's for you, Colonel. Colonel takes phone, stands in front of Monty's desk center. Twelve! Monty, twelve! 
Monty jumps to Ticker, then back, makes movement as if to take phone away from Colonel. Hello? Who? Slight pause, then he looks front with agonized expression, sinks into chair. My God! Monty taking phone from him and hanging up receivers. What is it, Colonel? Colonel rises. Oglethorpe wants to draw out $250,000. Well, let him have it. That's just what I was going to deposit. My boy! Tries to seize Monty's hand as phone bell rings. Monty jumps to phone. The colonel clutches the air. Monty in phone. What, busy? You offer Central a thousand dollars to get me Allison. Boy enters up right third with telegram, comes down right center. Here's a telegram for you, sir. Go over to Allison and company and tell them to call me up. Rushes him off right third. Enter Mac. Here's your $250,000. I hope it'll last you through the afternoon. Monty takes money. I hope not. Crosses to Colonel, down left center. Hands Colonel money. Here you are, Colonel. Max stays up center by desk. Bragdon comes forward a step, right center. Stop, Monty. Colonel Drew. If you allow Monty to deposit that money with your bank on the point of closing its doors, I say it's no better than stealing. Stop that, Bragg. But, Monty, the bank is tottering. I don't believe it's tottering. It's only tittering. Crosses to Colonel gives him money. The bank is as solid as a rock if we can only gain time. This deposit will save the bank and save the 260000 you now have with us. Starts to go up left center, Monty taking money back. Save it? Well, wait a minute. On second thoughts, Colonel. Brewster, I'm telling you the truth. You'll not only save your own money, but the money of hundreds of poor depositors. Think, my boy. Think. Monty, suddenly realizing that Peggy's money is in the bank. Peggy! To Colonel. Here you are, Colonel. Bragg and Mac. Give up the fight now. Monty hands him money. God bless you. Exits up left center. Twelve and one quarter. Monty grabbing phone again. Is anybody going to get me Allison and company? Twelve and one half. Allison and company? Say, what the hell has struck lumber and fuel? I know it's going up. Has it a chance to go down? Twelve and three quarters. You sell and sell quick. Enter Vanderpool, up left. Vanderpool comes down quickly. Say, Monty, I fixed it with the judge. You won't have to pay that fine for speeding. I wish you'd attend to your own business. I don't want any judge squared. Great smoke! Monty, what do you think? Polite wins at forty to one. Runs down center with piece of ticker tape. What? Jumps to him and grabs tape. And he had a thousand on him straight. Business, congratulations. Curtain. Monty reads tape and collapses. The boy's shaking his hands and slapping him on the back by way of congratulations. He is dazed. Second picture, same. Third, all boys except Nopper and Monty. Fourth call, Peggy and Monty. End of Act. Two.